Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Oh, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, 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 it's me, the Chief, Melancholy Chief, although I don't yeah. sound it, I sound upbeat. I'm joined by you as the final ass jobs. Okay, well, we're leading with the news, ladies and gentlemen. This will be my final outing with Talking Joe, at least for the next little while. Wait a minute, what do you mean for the next little while? You didn't, <laughs> tell, didn't tell me that. <laughs> well, Chief, who knows what's around the corner? Who okay, knows what's around okay. the bend? Yes, uh, yes. Maybe we'll start reading comics that I do give a shit about. I yes. mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, uh, we, we've had a chat behind the scenes. Uh, S-Jubs is, is hanging up his hat. Um, I thought it was permanently, but as he's just dangled a carrot there, he may well return in some guise. So, um, yes, thank you for that. I'll cut you off there. Uh, please please continue, S-Jubs, Nate. Well, yeah, the cat's out of the bag. For the last little while, I've been harboring the suspicion that like I might not be the best man for the job for the simple reason that I'm kind of lukewarm on these comic books. It is unfair to the listeners. It's unfair to myself to try and, like, Pick the peanuts out of poo, as it were, <laughs> to coin yeah. the, 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 the oft-used phrase. Um, and that's not to say these are objectively bad comics. How could they be? The illustrations are incredible. Perfect. We've glowed about them before. And Larry is Larry. Everyone attached to G.I. Joe owes this man a huge debt of gratitude, whether they realize it or not. So, on paper, these books are every bit the G.I. Joe experience that we should come to know and love. But for whatever reason, man, they're just not blowing my skirt up. And I don't think I should stick around if that's the case. I must say, Chief, when when you first announced that Talking Joe was possibly coming to an end, and I jumped on that thread and said, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) Uh, If you're looking for another co-host, I'm fully ready and able to... To jump on the show, talk about G.I. Joe comic books, and even do the editing chores. Yes. I, at that point, knew that we were heading into terrain that I was less than enchanted with. Okay. Because what was your jumping off point the first time round? Exactly the place we have reached (laughs) this evening. Okay. Okay. So so I I challenged myself to reread these now with a critical eye because I now had to kind of talk about them on this weekly podcast show and see if maybe that added an extra shine or veneer that of of enjoyment that I could really sink my teeth into. The problem is I think it's actually hurt my enjoyment of G.I. Joe even more. Oh, oh no. man, I'm sounding like such a negative Nancy at this point, but what can I say, man? I know my appreciation of Joe so well. I know my sweet spot when it comes to G.I. Joe literature so well that if a comic book isn't delivering exactly that thing, then all of a sudden I turn into this whining fanboy saying things like, I'm sick of 
Cobra Kawana being so over the top and the six degrees yeah. of separation from snake eyes. Like, I hate hearing myself say these things. But the truth yeah. of the matter is, this just isn't the G.I. Joe book that I want to be reading. Yes, yes. I mean, and I, I could be wrong here. I think because, and I don't know what your general comic book reading background is, but maybe, you know, because I've read 20,000 comics over whatever 35 years maybe i'm willing to give things a bit of a pass and because gi joe isn't necessarily my favorite uh, pop culture franchise of all time or my favorite uh, related hobby thing of all time i'm a fan but definitely not to the extent of s jobs of gi joe as a brand maybe i'm willing to give things a bit more of a pass whereas you're a bit more not precious about gi joe but a bit more you know how you like it and that's how you want it chief i i'm one of those minds that treat my hobby like a course of study it probably comes out all too vividly in this podcast love facts love researching just the little nuggets from the blueprints from the file cards just things to pepper into conversation about these books. Those details were so vital and so vibrant. And I've got a theory about current G.I. Joe mythologies, particularly by our favorite scribe, Mr. Harmer. And that's the fact that, like, love it or hate it, but the book needed the energy of a toy line to propel it, to give him the inspiration to add to his own story that he wanted to tell and just keep the gears switching. Because every time he took us down a avenue of unpacking the, the mysteries of the Arashikage clan, the Hasbro overlords would insist that he throw in an issue dealing with X, Y, and Z new toy. That's really, that's really well thought out, actually. I think you could be onto something there. Well, it's those changes of gear that kept us all enthralled for so long. And without them, without Hasbro saying, okay, we need a a mission in the snow that shows off the snowcat versus the cobra wolf, right it, Larry. You know, without those directives from the top, he's taking suggestions from the fans. And that kind of circular creative process is just the diminishing returns for me. And we've seen how easy it is if you're a fan, just to write a letter and like three issues time, get get your wish come true. So, yeah, that's not ideal. I mean, listen, we're going to talk about the interior of or, and the exterior of the books, the comics themselves, amongst all the regular Talking Joe spots. But um, I just want to say that I'm actually really sad um, because, <laughs> you know, it's, well, it's the old break and replace so we had Ben, <laughs> then we had Chris, then we had S. Joe's uh, chief breaks and replaces. We have actually got another uh, a co-host standing in the wings. It's a friend of the show, forum member. Uh, my actual good buddy, Mark Seddon, is coming on. The Seddonator is coming on to uh, pick up the slack, pick up the co-hosting duties until we decide how far we're going to run with this. I think we've got an initial plan of definitely going up to the end of Snake Hunt so that's at least another 50 issues when we're kind of caught up in regular. But um, Mark will be taking over the hot seat next week. But I just want to extend a big hand and uh, a big thanks and gratitude to my main man, S. Jobs, for 
being here for these last 30 i think have you done 30 30 co-hosting <laughs> duties i think it is 28 on the main show the cobra convergence and the tom Scholey special so it's been an absolute wild ride my friend a real blast i've, I've enjoyed every single minute well probably not every single minute of it because i'm sure i've been flat on a few <laughs> where i didn't enjoy them but um listen i if nothing else comes of it i've made a a lifelong friend here from s so i am grateful for that and my one mission in life is to actually now get face to face with the man thank you chief <laughs> heartfelt words and fucking coronavirus man yep, <laughs> it quite yep. possibly i would have already had a face-to-face with you by now had it not been for that bullshit but anyway hey, we can beat that we can beat that um <laughs> listen we've got the uh we've got the um emotional stuff out of the way i'll hold back the tears until well, the end of the episode i just want to just cap it by saying that while i might be down on the comic books i couldn't be more enthusiastic about my favorite podcast becoming one that I'm not involved in anymore. <laughs> like I will actually be tuning in week to week and oh, listening to listen? your boys. But holy shit, Chief! <laughs> what part of my favorite podcast did you not understand? Okay, yeah, man? thank you very much. Like thank you very much. back in the de- like it was all Jim Godfrey who 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 threw you guys uh, um, under my peepers, and I'd been listening to you ever since I think your second outing. Uh, was right. it Lo- Loft Woes and Quinn? <laughs> You're and the historian. You know them better than I do. <laughs> well, I did give them uh, more than one spin each. In fact, well. I think they are probably still... Those initial episodes are probably still saved, downloaded in my pod player. Okay. So even when there's no network, I can listen to Talking Joe. I've said... I've said... Um, from the outset that this is not it's not a one-man show it's it's every collaboration is 50 percent on this show so all the episodes that we did together it was 50 50 probably more your side because you did the editing but uh, and the research even when i said I, when i said i was going to do research <laughs> probably more so. I never did some, but, um, <laughs> my side because i talk so damn much Chief. listen whoever me and chris was 50 50 <laughs> me and ben 50 50 so any thanks going out anywhere has to be split between between all of us but um good stuff and also um you're still on board with the uh the the youtube videos being hosted on joeberg the toy box videos am i correct yeah which is precisely why i, I don't know where you were going when i said uh you know i'm just stepping out for a little while i'm not ah. dangling any damn carrots chief <laughs> i'm still very much involved in talking joe baby okay so talk yeah right okay that's good that's good uh Jobs is still a member of talking joe and we have just concluded i think part six will be out later this week of chief's no, have we done it? Are we finished? Negative, it Chief. Pot six is out. If oh, shit. I don't even know what's going on. If you haven't seen it by now, jump on that. Oh, yes. But, no, uh, season two. Mm. That's right. Season two, episode one, is coming out tomorrow. And that is where we uh, go into Ben's Toy Box, part one. Hey, so, have you got a jingle worked out already, Chief? Oh, I'm going to have to write that one. Ooh. going to have to write that one. Yeah, so what? that'll be... That'll be a three or four part episode, probably a series with uh, Ben doing toys. And then we'll try and find another lucky person where me and S-Jobs can uh, jump into the toy box. So still a member of the fold, still a, still a member of the family, S-Jobs. But listen, oh, Benjamin, can he please do us an intro sequence with those mad editing skills of his? I'll, I'll text him up uh, as soon as we finish recording now. Too much time on the beach, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were supposed to record sometime this week and i said oh can we do today and he goes weather looks good i'm gonna be out all day 
<laughs> Must have been nice. If the sun is out, forget about any, pro- any productivity from that man. Um, he works best in winter time when he's stuck indoors. But no, he's watching movies then. Anyway, we love that guy. Um, <laughs> we've got a he show not, to do here. not do well in sunny Queensland, let me tell you. It's okay, a, no, be out all the time. Um, when every day is a beach day, no day is a beach day. I've learned <laughs> the truth of that fact. I'm like, sun shining again? Yes, yeah. Talking about the beach, I've just come back from a two-day two jaunt in Littlehampton down on the south coast. Built some, had a lovely time with the family. Uh, wasn't that busy. Built some sandcastles. Built a mega super sandcastle. So it was a five by five base. Um, then it was a no, it was, sorry, it was a four by four sandcastle bucket base. Then a three by three, and then a two by two, then a one. So thirty sandcastles in total. Built that mother at eleven a.m. Waited for the tide to come in. Didn't re- I thought the tide was coming in, but it was actually going out. So it didn't come in till four p.m. And it's about ten minutes away from hitting this castle. I'm about to get my joes out position them all around this castle unlike some sort of silent castle siege and see if the the uh, seawater the tide can collapse it all i've gone to my bag which was positioned about 10 meters away from the sandcastle three nine or ten year old girls come running over trampled the whole castle oh yikes yeah, yeah. can you believe that i went over all my stuff was my my, sand, my um buckets and my spades were still there but my actual all of our bags and things were about 10 meters away and they were still there and i said uh this is this is my castle i've just built and they just looked at me like i was some kind of douchebag uh and i said uh fancy saying sorry and they just laughed at me and ran off oh what do you yeah. do chief your blood must have boiled but you well, dare not be that old coot ah you little shit no, because <laughs> the following day the kid built i dug out a big hole in the sand we were going back to the going down to the seafront to fill up buckets of water building like a little rock pool uh she had a bucket and spade and some some kid he was probably about seven maybe he came over and just grabbed picked up her bucket and spade and said i'll help you and she was looking a bit quizzical the missus was like what's going on here because obviously you know covid19 coronavirus we're not of the same families you shouldn't be grabbing someone else's stuff um even if there is no coronavirus you probably shouldn't be grabbing someone else's stuff without unannounced walking over without asking he just picked it up so i saw his dad was in the in the just kind of paddling in the waves on his phone so i went over to his dad and i said hey i don't not sure your kid should be uh, grabbing my daughter's stuff especially because i don't know if you've heard about this little thing it's called coronavirus and uh he raised his fist to punch me just as Evelyn came running over, and because she came running over, he thought better of it. But he was actually going to try and punch me. Oh, man. It's yeah. getting ugly out there, Chief. It's getting Jeez, ugly bro. down on the south coast, man. Oof, boy. <laughs> and, then, and then, when I came back, all my figures weren't there, and because I saw two kids, one of them had taken my deep six, buried it, and was jumping up and down on it. Oh, shitty kids. That's all yeah. I can say. Yeah. And that, that guy with the, the bald fist, uh, he was lucky he didn't actually take a swing because i was lucky i've seen chief's world dude and your self-defense techniques are second (laughs) (laughs) oh deep cut deep cut that'll be coming onto uh into the huge into the listeners uh youtube um feed soon uh yeah chief's world but he would have got he would have got a portion of left and a side salad or right so he did not want any of that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway uh, what have you been up to (laughs) No, Chief. No, 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 no. We've, we've spent enough time with me. I got a treat looking yes. at me. It's burning into my retina at this point. It's time. Hit me. It's time. Snack police, last time. 
potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, built and jerky, snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knock out snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The snack police are in there, here's out. Chief, I found what? it. The mother load. I found them. I found the twiglets. Whoa! <laughs> Favorite snack of the random chick that's hanging out at Wade yep. Collins's house. Yep. Oh yeah! Now, have you had twiglets before? Never. And have you got any expectation about what they will taste like? <laughs> the, the, look, I thought, given the name twiglets, that it was yes. like a, a a cheesy, knacky type kind of like Holy. Cheetos. Okay, get the no bucket, way. get get the sick bucket ready is what I'm saying. I know you're not a fan. They're f- by Jacobs. and yeah. So that's a biscuit company, yeah? Yeah, cracker, biscuit, yeah, crackers. C- cracker, or the Americans are calling cookies, I guess. I don't know, whatever. Uh, a whole lot of crunch in a whole grain munch. Mm. Uh, I'm skeptical, man. It's well, you might love it. Like, this... It's probably going to be like cardboard. Is there any taste to these things? Yeah, a lot of taste. Mm. Oh. Okay, they're they're very savoury. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> Vegemite-y flavoured. Uh, are they supposed to be kind of bitter? I thought they tasted a little bit like... See, I thought for many, many years, I thought they were a Marmite-flavoured snack. Yeah. But I don't think they are. I don't think there is any association between Marmite and, Twi- and Jacob's Twiglets. Or is there? I think I'm detecting a distinct note of burnt toast crust. Oh, yeah, you could be right there. That's that's the flavour. Burnt toast crust. Yeah. <laughs> Zero thumbs up for this snack. <laughs> I have no idea what Shannon Gallant was all about when he was like, oh, yeah, okay. daddy used to bring them back in boatloads. <laughs> he can keep them. Um, <laughs> Chief has got a packet of Golden Wonder Transformer snacks, curry-flavoured. Bringing it back, curry. Oh yeah! Uh, so these are these are snacks. They come in two shapes. One is kind of like a chassis shape, <gasps> and then you get the, the the circular hoops which go over the. So they uh, are totally the trading on the robots in disguise. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So and and Hasbro hasn't uh, given them a cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, they are so good. They are so good. Um, I'll take some pictures of individual ones. You struggle to get the hoops to stay on the chassis, on the axles, because they're just not long enough. But um, playing with the up. food. I'm taking a snap of my twiglet because, oh jeez, it's not the most appetising looking thing either. Oh, yeah, do it. Um, listen, let's crack into these issues. We... <laughs> yep, let's tear these issues a new asshole. I mean, okay. uh, give them a glowing review. Yes, there you go. It. <laughs> it's comic talk, it's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box. Talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. Full disclosure, I wasn't as down on him as you i think but um let's find out why i'm reminded of why i stepped off at this part of the run about a year and a half ago okay just just think to yourself this will be the last 30 minutes you'll ever have to discuss uh, modern gi joe comics 
Well, no, modern ARA comics, I should say. Um, because there are still some good comics out there. <coughs> Cobra, we could do. Um, anyway, mm. issue 223. Like this cover. Yeah, man. Snake Eyes I've got. Really, really stylized. Really nice. Yep, all the big signifiers are there. Sword, check. Visor, check. Uzi, check. Hexagram, times two, check. Yeah. Nice touch adding the, the Snake Eyes pair of dice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really nice. Um, Steve Mooney, I think, I could be wrong, but either Mark or Peter Seddon has got a commission from Stephen Mooney, I believe. So a, a G.I. Joe-based one. So if they have, please share that on the socials. And there's also a toy box art cover by Adam Riches, and it's rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Let's get to the next one. I've got a work meeting in 35 minutes, but they can jog on. They can do one. I'm not <laughs> going to that meeting. Uh, I've got more important things to discuss. Oh, man, that's jobs. Another Stephen Mooney one here, Storm Shadow. Yeah, once again, going with the, the, the Cobra sigil, uh, which has no bearing on the story. <coughs> oh, sorry, Chief. I got Twiglets in the wrong tube. <laughs> yeah, every Jeez. tube's the wrong tube for Twiglets. <laughs> oh, I, I promise you, it ain't Rona. That you, Rona? Um, but yeah, look, it looks like these covers are supposed to go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah I'd love these. Um, we, uh, Word Bergy. Uh, echoed the or the sentiments of us by saying to IDW, let's get this Phil Jimenez gatefold into a poster. I'd quite like these two as you know up on the wall, nice sort of lithograph mm. covers, but really really nice. Yeah, and they may well match up. You know, you could be right. Uh, and then we've also got what well, we've got another Adam Rich's one, Flash. Is it? Yeah, man. You were a fan of Flash. Yeah, I like Flash. One of your early what is it, series one, Joe's? Huh. Yep. And then there's a, a Great Lakes Comic Con cover by mike zek oh sweet well. well that explains it it's got that cool like fade with like red into yellow into red again which just that actually reminds me more of the marvel uk gi joe books or action force books right yeah yeah yep. it feels like it's a technique that they used a handful of times yeah, in fact yeah. i've got an annual sent to me by jim godfrey and the art on the inside has that effect yeah. Ah, uh, fantastic. Nice. Quick shout out to uh, uh, the big Jim Godfrey because he's at present um, sending me some advice on diorama making. So um, anything that I produce from here on in will give a 10% credit to Mr. Godfrey. Uh, there's all, <laughs> so now we move on to the next one, 225. This is kind of an all action cover where Shiz is going down. Ooh, wow, Chief. We could play a real like who's who in the zoo on this cover. <laughs> It's incredible. And of yeah. course, none of this happens in the issue. <laughs> I mean, Raptor is alive. What? Yeah. Yes. It seems yes. like Bazooka is dead. <laughs> and I mean, if you're a fan of Resolute, you know that uh, Bazooka cops it early, kind of off screen almost. Right. So he's a pop- popular character to, to, to nix. Um, <laughs> Raptor's actually on his laptop. So, is he, what is he do- balancing the books <laughs> on the battlefield? Yeah, yeah. What first drew my attention on this was in the background on the face cover. So, not the back cover. Um, you've got all the way in the background. Can you see who Shipwreck is punching out? It looks like Tomax, is it? Well, one of the twins. One of them. But then, then that sets you on an interesting little kind of Where's Wally hunt. Right. Can you find the other, the other one? Well, ah, this is where Inside Chief's mind returns because this is obviously a a front and back splash cover 
This is a wraparound. <laughs> this is a wraparound. I kept using the wrong bloody nomenclature last week. That's fine. But um, I don't have the wraparound. Oh, I, it turn, turns out when I... What I do is when I custom buy my comics, I cut out any double page ads or back pages so that when I send them off, there's less actual page counts so that they combine together better. If there is something that goes onto the wraparound back cover, I'll actually fold the back cover over onto the front page so that when it gets bound you get it as a do you know what i mean it, it can display as the as the as the full cover should but i've clearly cut the back cover off forgetting it was part of this so i do not have that part of the cover well if you've got access to your mobile phone i've saved your ass uh, as always well who's going to send me these messages mark uh, get ready to start sending me messages on a weekly basis to help me out <laughs> oh there's that twiglet yeah it looks like a shriveled up dog penis. Right, okay, here we go. <laughs> so, where's Wally? Let's find, where's where's T- Crimson Twin? Uh, you're telling me he's on here, eh? Yeah. Ah, he's a, is Lady J about to do him one? No, Lady J is about to f- uh, plant oh, her boot into Zorana. Oh, but is he to the left of Lady J? He is, and he right. seems to be taking a hit from no one. Yeah, where's that fire? The angle of fire suggests the chopper. Chief, you're not thinking laterally, man. On the face cover, Shipwreck is punching the other twin. So on the back... Ah! (laughs) Yes! The the non-punched twin is taking the hit. Incredible. S-jubs. Right, Mark said, and you've got a lot to live up to. You've got to be picking all these nuggets and uh, (laughs) and, uh, things out. I mean, like, what a callback to... I mean, look, I'm pretty sure this comic book artist is... Perhaps channeling more of the cartoon appearances than that one instance in the comic book where Larry actually used the telepathy thing. Yes. Um, but that said, it's a nice little nugget. Another little cool nugget. There's a rather unique and underutilized helicopter on this uh, back cover. And that's the Locust. Oh, yeah, yeah. Underneath the Sky Striker. Yeah, man. It's done up in silver or white, uh, which is at odds with its regular coloring, either in brown or green. But nice to see that vehicle. It's seldom utilized. And yeah, that goes deep, man. That's a 1990 vehicle. Sean J. Wordberg. There you go, baby. 90s. Yeah, yeah. And that's, this quite, quite famously has a good appearance in issue 24, I think. The Russ Heath drawn issue. The Commander Escapes. Oh, you're talking about the Skyhawk. Oh, is that the Skyhawk? <laughs> An infinitely more famous vehicle, <laughs> okay. Chief. But uh, yeah, nice try, pal. Okay, oh, yeah, man. I, as, as evidenced every week, I know nothing about toys. You're going to have to look at that <laughs> WhatsApp picture I sent you and zoom in top left of the rear cover. That yeah. is, yeah, that's That's the what locust. I thought it's that a, thing was. Okay. It's an actual helicopter. It's not a kind of a VTOL jet, jet craft. Okay. Mm. Mm, very good, very good. Wild Bill flies one in uh, the issue. Uh, I can only describe the events more than the, the number. It's in the kind of 120s, I think. And right. it's after the, uh, the Tukaro's forest has been uh, deforested. Yes, yes, yes he, yes. he uses it to bombard some Razorbacks. Right. And cover the exfiltration of the October okay. God and the Joes right. from Okay. So what's this, what is this thing on the front page that's shooting a Mindbender in the bubble? The Wild Bill's in. Ah, that's the Skyhawk, baby. That is the Skyhawk. Okay, and that's the yeah. thing that was in issue 24. Right, got it. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, this is a, obviously an SL Gallant cover. Again, this is another one I'd love as a poster. Mm. 
Uh, we've also got the toy box up, Adam Riches, and who's here? I can't really see. I've got the small one. Is that Grunt? Yes. Yes. And then there's a subscription cover by Agnes Garbowska. Oops, I just knocked the mic over. And it's uh, <laughs> Scarlet and Snake Eyes Inside a Heart. So this month yeah. has come out on Valentine's Day. This was, it was a, oh, it was a February 2016, that's why. Yeah, but uh, it's a bit unfortunate to be using that as your central love story focus. I mean, are we assuming this is deceased Snake Eyes? Yeah. Or, <laughs> perhaps even more interestingly... <laughs> or she moves assuming, quick. Yeah, yeah, those, those little hints that were dropped about her kind of... Oh, Sean, won't you just stand there a little bit longer... Yes. You know, you, you're reminding me of the man that I loved. Ooh, yes, damn. awkward. Right, let's get into the meat. But before we get into the meat, we need to know, last time on A Real American Hero, G.I. Joe prepares for the Cobra World Order, calling in the top special ops brass to the pit to discuss options. Until Wendy Ling Torres, the junior senator in charge of G.I. Joe's Overwatch committee, shows up with information on Cobra's plan. Not a moment too soon as Cobra activates its Crimson Guard members all over the United States. Okay, so uh, I do want to point something that I did actually like on the second page here. Mm. And that is where there's the guys, these top brass are arguing in the background. And uh, who is it? Someone's on the phone to Hawk and it's Hawk. How's it going down there? And he just says, we're getting the job done. As all this bickering (laughs) is going on in the background. I quite like that. Yeah, ever the pragmatist. And that's all I liked. No. (laughs) Um... I feel like this is a different side to Hawk. He's also depicted differently. I, I like the fact that Galantis has aged him a bit. He's got that high yep. widow's peak. But by the same token, he's kind of de-aged Duke a lot. You know, he's got this, like, Brad Pitt in Fight Club tousled hair that looks like yep. he actually gels it. Like, Duke always had, like, a bit of a flat top, like, comb-over style. It was kind of square. But yeah, uh, yeah. Galantis kind of made him a bit a more bit trendy, more, at least in his style. Uh, have we seen Wild Bill in this new get-up of his before in the comic? Oh. Probably have, but I just not mentioned it. I don't know. Have we? That would be his animated look. I think the... Right. the Yeah, man. The, the orange life jacket. Yeah. And the blue shirts. Yeah, because yeah, I'm see- sure when he went to visit Connie in the hospital, or whoever, whoever was it, Claire, whoever he was visiting, you know, he had his hat off. Maybe he was in, mm. in his civvies then, but he definitely wasn't in this get-up, I don't think. I'm pretty sure by this point the action figures had had done a version that mirrored his animation appearances, and this is very much that. Nice catch there, Chief. Yeah, that's absolutely bang on. It's not his yeah. green uh, jumpsuit. Yeah. Do you notice that they're in an actual toy? They're standing in the G.I. Joe watchtower? Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, United States on the front. Its size has been augmented. I mean, it pro- the toy probably should be that size, to be an effective watchtower, but the design is unmistakable. It's kind of sandbagged at the top with a machine gun and a spotlight and a cool like G.I. Joe flag with the with the shield, the kind of yeah, the G.I. Joe design, which you don't see much of. No. But and the good news is this is the last time you'll have to talk about the launch ramp. Or not talk about the launch ramp. Or not talk about Chief, it. Look I at watched... the angle. Look at the angle, that sky striker in the last panel. Hardcore, man. Look, I, if you want to flip back to the, the previous issue in this, this series, yeah. like it was the last splash page that we didn't actually talk about with Word Bergy because I didn't want to drag it down. But like, okay. holy shit, the pattern is full. Wouldn't you say, Mr. ATC? 
I mean, what have you got there? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, I count. 20 aircraft. 20 in one splash. Look, that's that's Shannon just kind of... That, that's the lightness of his touch. He's just like, I'm doing this one for yucks because yeah. they told me to draw a lot of aircraft in the sky. Well, I'm going to challenge myself to draw the most amount yes. of aircraft the splash page could possibly hold. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. But uh, uh, to, to get back to, back to old Top Gun, it just goes to show, like, how much force it takes to rocket an F-14 or a Sky Striker into the sky. Like, yeah. it's going from parked on this very brief ramp to being airborne. I've hopped on it enough times. I don't need to say it again. Yep. Done. <laughs> but that's the that's that's what I mean. I think this is where our our personal disconnects are, are are different. Or I don't mind that. You see, that doesn't bother me in the slightest. That stuff, that launch ramp stuff. No, I, it doesn't bother me. And chief, like you, you painted me into this corner, man. You made me have to mention it. But like you know, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I've always wondered how the pit three in Utah is able to accommodate aircraft. Yes. This still doesn't answer my question. No. It's not adequately. No. Uh, I can see where you're coming from in terms of, you know, retreading. I think maybe you we can spoke... land. You can look, you can land a Hercules pretty much anywhere. A Hercules yeah. can land on the desert floor. That's something that I always appreciated. Like that, that's realistic enough. I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Awesome. But yeah. anything else, like sophisticated jets, I do not see it landing on sand. Like, quite famously, Russian MiGs were built hardy enough to deal with very, very improvised runways. American hardware, on the other hand, is a different story. Right, yeah. <laughs> Those guys need a nice, hard, firm, long runway for takeoff. Which is not what they have in the pit. <laughs> nope. Uh, I can see you coming. I think we spoke uh, offline before we started recording about direction of the books and things and bringing all these other characters big boa cesspool and all that back as fan service but can they really hold together adequate storylines and i think here we get an early bit in the silent castle where it's kind of that groan inducing thing which we mentioned this is another point where they're unloading something from a van and mindbender says be careful with that it's the linchpin of our latest offensive and of course it's the brainwave scanner so everything comes back to the brainwave scanner and he's saying it's the linchpin in our offensive and we're led to believe that this is the cobra world order they've got people stationed everywhere and it's sent the central part of it is the brainwave scanner yeah chief like listening back to our last episode where we were so glowing about that incredible three cover connected cover artwork yeah that advertises a story that cobra world order does not deliver on no you know i focused in on small details like a sequence with torpedo versus the eels and a cobra bug descending on them in the background and i'm like well shit i am a kind of a you know fair weather comic book purchaser a cover like that would have got me to part with my hard-earned dough You know, G.I. Joe, even G.I. Joe is not an automatic buy for me, but I would have been totally beguiled by that cover and then feel a little bit cheated out of my cash when I read bloody brainwave scanners back again. 
Yeah. And, and, and it's a kind of a, you know, whoa, we hoodwinked everyone. Like, we're going to kill off all the competition to Cobra's rightful place as terrorist number one. But actually, no, you're not effective at killing off anyone. Yeah. And I think, look, let's not forget that we go back 40 issues or so. And I was listening back this morning because there's some gaps on the uh, Every Joe Story Ever spreadsheet of scores. And I will catch up with you offline because I need to get Good some Lord. scores from you, unfortunately. <laughs> so you'll have to flick through some pages just to give me a ballpark figure. We'll do that offline. But um, I was plugging in some scores, re- re-listening to certain sections that, where we yo-jo things. And let's not forget that that two-parter in the 180s, whenever it was, where the, the Black Major shows up, the Red Shadows, and the two-parter on the whale when they, they go to the boat at sea. You get that 10 out of 10. So yeah, let's, not, let's not forget that great stories from Larry are in there somewhere. These are not those. You know, and that had no Cobra involvement. That was just a two-part special missions. So it proves that it can be done. Great Joe stories in the Real American Hero universe can be told. But I, I definitely do feel that the book wouldn't continue if he just told two-part special mission stories. I think maybe this is editorial. They said you've got to have a big flashy splash title cobra world order we're, we're down to however many six thousand books a month we need yeah, chief to... i'm basing this on nothing but i'm absolutely sh- you know my gut tells me you're absolutely bang on the money with that yeah this is not coming from larry he never wrote these kind of subtitles no no yeah no this is this is idw's marketing ploy Anyway, um, you know, he didn't have to use the brainwave scanner again, but but he did. And what I did find confusing was there's only three small kind of Fred teams and just singular Freds almost that are going out to these locations that the Joes then have to intercept. Uh, Would it not have been more sensible for Cobra to send 50 agents to 50 locations rather than just three? I don't know. Yeah. Am I making sense? Look, th- this plan is not making sense. And and you're absolutely right. It, it, the more the merrier. Like, if this was Cobra's master plan from the very instant that they started the Crimson Guard program back in 1985. Yep. <laughs> okay, may, you know, the timeline's obviously compressed because we're not treating this as real time. But if this was the culmination of, of Cobra's deep-seeding of America with these fifth columnists, like, yeah, absolutely. There should be thousands of them, not a handful that G.I. Joe can fly around the world or fly around North America and stop. And and they managed to get the location of those three very simply. And it's not like they sent each Fred with a crack team of, you know, troops. They just sent the poor guys on their own. <laughs> I want to know how G.I. Joe was aware of these guys. Like, G.I. Joe got the drop on the Freds. These deep cover, you know, sleeper cells. It's never fully explained how G.I. Joe's intel is somehow ahead of the game. Okay, well, that's good good at least, because I thought I'd read it and didn't understand or had just forgotten it. But uh, you kind of backing me up to say they don't really explain. I flicked back all the way, man. It's just another case of, like, G.I. Joe being inexplicably one step ahead of their enemy, even in the so-called Cobra World Order storyline, where it feels like, you know, in order to set up the tension, G.I. Joe needs to be on the ropes. They need to be playing catch-up. And yet they know exactly where to find the Cobras 
and what's more they have enough lead time you know it's it's not like they're having to mop up after these reactors have gone critical or after these dams have been destroyed or after like a fred has already sent 50 planes crashing into the tarmac like gi yeah. joe is able to preemptively move their agents into position like because they know when this countdown will will end it's like ah oh, man Come on, where to go to just destroy all tension? Yeah, yeah. It's storytelling in reverse, actually. Is yeah, what it and is. and it is a crying shame that the more I look at these pages, Gallant is such a good artist, and I don't want to feel he's being dragged down by the story and Larry's script, but to an extent, I think he probably is. He's, you know, he's not the forgotten man because everyone will always talk about Larry first when you talk about GI Joe, but. This is sensational artwork going on. Yes. Thank you, Chief. <laughs> we, we need to pull it up just a little bit <laughs> for my exit interview. Uh, yeah. No. Art chores, once again, phenomenal. I I don't want to speak for the man or read too much into our, our one-on-one or two-on-one with him. But, I, you know, he, he's got a, a cynical side, shall we yeah, say. Yeah. I, and I he's agree. pumping out the best work he can but he knows he's working for rather aloof creative who he has very little contact with. And he's just, you know, he's having a bit of fun with it at times because he knows that they're not creating the, the cure for COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a funny book. I had to read this page a few times. The one, it's the fourth last page in the first issue, cover girl is making assault on the tower and Fred headshots someone and the panel before is looks like cover girl with a knife and she's about to go in and the next page is kind of a silhouetted head and fred has blown her brains out and i was like holy shit he's just killed cover girl and then mm. i flipped the page and actually no cover girl's now coming out of a hatch and then i had i didn't realize that it was this other this this woman called miranda who he's actually killed well, I, I kind of got that it was Miranda, okay. so 50-50 on that. But have you noticed how many shoulder shots there, there are within yeah. this these three issues? Chuckles takes I, two, doesn't he? Or one? Chuckles takes two. Uh, Covergirl, I think it's hitting her trapezoid, but it looks right. like it was more uh, closer to her neck because it affects her voice in yes. future issues. Uh, Roadblock gets winged. Fred gets tagged in the shoulder. Um, so like, you know, we used to play this, this trope as children because shoulder (laughs) gunshot wounds were the gunshot, the one gunshot wound that you could, at least in terms of Hollywood logic, just kind of walk off. You could Charlie Mike. (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah. You got me in the shoulder. I I could still fire a gun. I could still fight. Like it's, it's, it just went through the meat. Yeah. Um, that kind of logic is, is very present in this, this action. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> don't know where I'm going with that other than to point out like wow there are a lot of coincidental shoulder shots and these are coming from like guys who are probably very proficient with pistols yeah, yeah. oh another guy who gets winged is uh what's his name good old uh, Colonel Bright Colonel Bright the guy oh, working Colonel Bright. with with, um, with Covergirl Cover yes yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we see Covergirl in the hospital and is she she's in a coma I think and um, this is something we haven't really seen. We've seen 
roadblock in a hospital bed a couple of times and gung-ho I think in a hospital bed way back when he was sliced up but um we haven't really seen many Joes kind of in the infirmary in, in actual hospitals and you kind of saw a lot more of it in action force comics there's one storyline where lady mm. j gets put in a coma and flint has to go after destro because destro shot her and it seemed to be a lot more prominent in those but we haven't really i mean i'm not saying i'm an advocate for more hospital scenes of, yeah. of fallen joes but um i don't know it's kind of nice to at least uh, appreciate that yes those joes got shot whereas falcon was patching himself up in the field here we're kind of seeing <laughs> okay if you do get shot then yes the chances are you will have to be in a hospital bed for some period of time uh, look uh, yes but although she's not in the hospital bed for very long actually is she <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well okay no look it's comic book time and and it's it, it happens at quite a quite a clip but there's no real consistency to it is there i mean no Wild Bill and Lift Ticket got absolutely riddled in Ollistan. Yeah. And they seem to be fine maybe as as little as two issues later. Yeah, what we don't see is the repercussions of injuries. We we see the injuries and then like you say, let's just not have the character in the book for three or four issues <laughs> and then suddenly when they do reappear, you know, they've got bionic legs or something like that. I don't oh, know. Oh, Chief, we we got to stop this, man. We're getting way too nitpicky at this point. That's I right, mean, we're, we're here to talk about the Everybody's got a, a healing factor. we just got to leave it at that. Yeah, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> just fill me in on the deal with Wendy Ling Torres. So she has had the brainwave scanned. She's been scanned up in a previous issue. She's a plant, a deep cover cobra agent now, effectively. But Joes mm. know that she's a deep cover cobra agent. And now she's coming out to say that she stopped the Cobra World Order towards the end of this series. I don't think Joe know that she's been brainwashed. Do they not? They know that her aide is a Fred. Right, okay. But they had no problem with her taking the credit for mobilizing the joint strike on the, the Freds. Right. Because it serves as a smokescreen to hide... G.I. Joe's existence. So we're now playing in the, the realm of G.I. Joe being super secret. Yes. And also Cobra mm. to an extent until they come out. They yeah. said now the world knows about Cobra. But okay, fine. Whatever. Um, I don't mind a bit of retconning every now and again. You know, it doesn't doesn't really bother <laughs> me too much. Okay. Um, should we talk about Crystal Ball? <laughs> <laughs> Well, in a letters page, uh, Larry confesses to the fact that Crystal Ball, he's starting to take a liking to him. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he most certainly is uh, your fabulous plot device, Deus Ex Machina, at this point. Um, yes, because he does go into a receptive trance to reconform the psychic energies that once filled rooms. Let's not forget he does crazy. that. Crazy. Well, Chief, you said it a number of times, and I'm just going to echo you, like... G.I. Joe, more so than ever, has become a superhero book. Yeah, it has. It really has. Have you checked out Dice's um, mask? He's very smiley. <laughs> well, the, the way Shannon draws it is like it's not a mask, almost. He's, yeah, he draws it like it's painted on eyes, doesn't it? Or that it's actually this kind of like wicked caricature-ish face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, face. Cheshire Cat, even. He's, yeah, Cheshire Cat is very much. And that's obviously a... He's done that on purpose because... You know, he knows what Dice would look like in sure. his standard-looking mask. But I think you're right. I think Shannon's having fun with these issues 
maybe due to the fact that he's reading the scripts as they're coming in and just uh, just sighing. So maybe he's just <laughs> thinking, what, what can I do to for myself or some Easter eggs for some friends or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're speculating, obviously. But well, look, Zartan has never looked better. Yeah, he looks fantastic, doesn't he? Yeah. I love uh, artists that make the eyes white. I'm not a fan of Zartan having pupils. No, no, that's good. I do like this scene here as well, this panel where you see Destro's forces kind of tooling up, ready. Mmm, I noticed a colouring flub. Oh, I'm on Mr. Brown's case no, again. Go on, go on. Hey. So in the back, the the last helicopter is, yep. uh, is sling-loading uh, a vehicle that's clad in bla- black and... Well, you would think it's the demon, but the configuration is wrong. That is Destro's Razorback. Okay. Which should oh, the be one at the far orange. back. Yeah, right at the back there. Got it, it should be orange. Hmm. Mm, but he's coloured like a demon, which, hey man, easy mistake to make. And it is all the way in the back there, but it ain't slipping past S jobs. No, no way, man. Nothing slips past this man, unfortunately. <laughs> wow, I don't know about that. <laughs> and again, another thing. I I know you said we've got to ease up. I don't give a shit. I'm still pounding it in. Um, <laughs> another thing I... <laughs> Yeah, the very next page. Did you see the blast door? The blast door where it slam. Yeah. Uh, is that is that a Star Wars blast door? Can you picture what blast door that is? With the T on it. I don't know. Is it one on the Death Star when they're running round? It is on the Death Star. Okay. Can you think of where? Is it the uh, the reactor? Is it the um, tractor beam one? Where Luke and Leia swing across the gap? I don't think so. Oh, I'm thinking of a different door, but all of a sudden you've got me guessing that it might have been used there as well. Well, I'm just guessing. I don't know. The one where 3PO and R2 are when the troopers come in to get them? Yes, that's the one I'm thinking of. Maybe they reused the same door. Hey, dude, Star Wars, like, I'm sure they saved every uh, bit of uh, set design budget they could. So maybe they reused the same door on the... The Death Star chasm swing, yeah. But the one I'm thinking of is yeah, the one, <laughs> the one that the stormtrooper bops his head on. The uh, the chasm swing for probably 25 years was my all-time favorite uh, New Hope scene. Mm, for luck. Uh, no, in fact, in fact, it still is. It still is. Yeah, love it. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> I don't Do know, know why I said for 25 years. I can't think of one that I prefer still. So. <laughs> Which Star Wars legacy character is the deadliest with blasters? Who has the biggest kill-to-shoot ratio? Like, According to deaths on screen in the movies? Yes. Who's the most lethal? Episodes four to six, are we saying? Yeah. Oh, who's the most lethal with a blaster? Mm-hmm. Who is the highest kill count? Well, you've, I don't know if you've given it away. I'm going to say Princess Leia. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, which I would Although not have you... said, but okay. Yeah. Uh, why would I have given it away? Because you referenced that straight after me talking about that scene. She's so damn good, dude. She seems to take out two stormtroopers <laughs> with one shot. Have you ever wondered how she nailed those two guys that had them dead to rights 
at the uh, the shield generator on Endor? Um, no, she's uh, just the best. She, I guess. Oh, she is the best. I love you. I know. Blam blam. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that scene gives me goosebumps. Love it. Um, oh, man, I'm gonna have to watch those three movies just to uh, put my spirits back up after reading these issues. Um, I don't know no, what listen, you're talking about, Chief. No, I'm in no, high spirits, I, I, man. I'm, I'm not. I, again, <laughs> I, I, I'm not as down on these issues. I, I, I think they're okay, but they're not the great greatest. But uh, I 100% see where you're coming from, and you know what you're getting out of the issues, or what you're not getting out of the issues. So you know, Chief, it is what I, it is. I guess it's just a promise that wasn't delivered upon. Yes. And it comes back to maybe the covers really selling the angle really hard that this would be a a massive romp around the world in different settings, like kind of giving the comic book almost the animated series spin of like yeah. just high octane action, Joe versus Cobra stuff. But here yeah. we just have scenes, man, scenes yeah. of sameies. Yeah, and again, kind of not going back too far. In the, I think it was one eighty to one eight seven, the 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 Crytron, the Krypton bomb, uh, multi part storyline. You gave that eight out of ten for that eight parter, and again, that proves you can have a long storyline with good payoffs that doesn't have to be world shattering or changing. That was quite intimate. That you know, it had the Destro Dark Long um wrangling for the contracts and the possession of the bomb whatever and it had loads of little bits going on and that that proves you can do a big storyline that doesn't have to have brainwave scanner and cobra commander and mindbender bowling and all these other things um for it to be a great storyline but you know whether larry dropped the ball or whether idw editorial are enforcing it whatever that's we don't know but it made me, and again, you know, you saying that it's been advertised as this Cobra world or this world-changing thing, and the panel after the blast door shuts, Cobra Commander says, "Soon we shall either celebrate or drown our sorrows." So even <laughs> Cobra Commander doesn't know if his plan has actually got any chance of success. Well, his plan is to wipe out his competitor. Well, no, his former allies. Is it? it, it so totally is that his is. whole plan? It's just to blow them up, blow them up, and insert Wendy Link Torres as. Um, as their cat's paw, as it were. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's it's pretty flippant stuff. It's like I'm yes. gonna I'm gonna throw away all of the Freds that we've seeded into American society over the past couple of decades, yeah. and 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 just use that as you know trade that in to get this junior senator into a favorable position and, and yeah. possibly a, a presidential candidate. I mean, it's it's. Ooh, it's pretty flimsy stuff, man. But look, at least ten- the, the tangible side of this is Destro and his entire force yes. attacking the Silent Castle. Oh, that's good, that scene. All those overrunning it and finding out it's a bunch of blue ninjas and it's a trap. <sighs> okay. Until <laughs> but- that bit, all those all the scenes of their troops kind of, you know, going in, laying down the assault. It's fantastic pages here. Destro even the bit where I do like the bit where Destro kicks one of their heads off. One of the he's red the immortal Iron Fist oh, man. Love we it. Said, love I it. said before it was Moskvina for being able to yes. put her hand through like blue ninjas. Two Destro, hands. Man. <laughs> See, I, even that I don't I don't mind that stuff. I I, I like that bit. You know, but why? <laughs> what do you call did... a blue ninja in a red ninja's clothing? I mean, it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just layers of 
I mean, oh, I guess you can't have scenes of Destro putting his hands through two people if it was real Cobra Troopers or real Red Ninjas. So I understand to an extent why, you know, George Lucas putting battle droids in and all that kind of stuff, because you can do, air quotes, more violent violence when it's not against human beings and we wouldn't get these scenes. Destro's not going to kick a real human being's head off, but if it's a robot, he can. I miss the 70s, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, young rock star George Lucas didn't give no shits about stormtroopers being massacred. It's like, geez, man, they're they're just punching the clock. Are they inherently evil? The Death Star blows up. Hundreds of thousands of people, perhaps millions of people, yeah. just going about their day-to-day, wiped out. There you go. Um, but anyway, I, I like all that, I like that scene, even with the reveal of the Blue Ninjas <laughs> in the Silent Castle there. I like all that stuff. And then, like you said, maybe Cobra Commander's partial plot was to rid himself of his enemies. And we get one here where he blows up the Silent Castle. Uh, with all the bombs that he's planted and then as we go into the last issue of the storyline um, he then blows up or thinks he blows up the other part of the motley crew cesspool big boa the the cobra ninjas zartan all those guys <laughs> in the carob tree office park i mean we were wondering if there were any more existing potential anagrams of cobra there it is yeah. <laughs> there always is carob yes. who thought of that incredible yes yes but th- Jeez, we'll go back I feel to the- like we need to have a moment for the Silent Castle. That is a major location, a key location. Yes. Props my favorite Cobra base of all time. That has yeah. just been completely destroyed. Yeah. Wow. But we're, we're lucky for Destro and his troops because uh, the nanotech automatic compensators in his wrist rockets can molecularly reconfigure the structure to maximize launch blast protection. So that's okay. Ah, uh, Chief. You said it before, and I'll just say it again. We're reading a superhero book now, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm reminded of a sequence in Secret Wars where I think the heroes get trapped under a mountain. Is it Galactus? Right. Who? Someone drops a mountain on the heroes. Okay. And, like, the Hulk is holding a mountain up on his shoulders. Yes. Um, very Atlas move. Yeah. Uh, well, I've actually <laughs> written on my notes, it says Destro is Mr. Fantastic by the way oh. that he's, uh, the words that he's using. Yeah. Yeah, these Mr. Fantastic and the Hulk just rolled into one. He is literally yeah. holding the building, the entire collapsed uh, Silent Castle, on his forearms. Yes, and he's mentioned in that speech there about how the nanotech in his wrist launchers is able to do it, but they're actually attached to his human body, and his <laughs> human body needs to be bracing <laughs> some of this weight, surely. Don't know. He works uh, out. Yeah, man. Uh, oh, just out. the previous issue. I mean, has Cobra Commander shaved, or are we taking it to to mean that he has a um, a removable fake moustache? Ah, uh, yes, because he's lifted his cow to have a sip on the champagne. Hmm. Interesting. And no tash in sight. Yes, I think removable. Removable, right? So he yeah. happened to be wearing it back in what was it, issue fifty-five, unmaskings. Yes. <laughs> when they go into <laughs> no. Mufti. No, he grew it. He had it then, but uh, since then, he he has uh, lost the ability to grow facial hair. They went into a wig shop, didn't they? Like, uh, there was a shop called Flip Your Wig. And that's where yes, they got the right. fake fake flocking. Right. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Do we like uh, these guys playing, do, doing bowls, temping bowling? <laughs> too, too wacky for you. Come on, I know you do, Chief. 
You know, they have that super cut of him machine gunning the cardboard. I do quite like it, I think, just because it's so stupid. <laughs> I think I quite nice. like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the bowl at the pins are all uh, Joes. Can you yeah. name the Joes? Can you name the pins? Uh, so, top, top left. I was going to say Stalker, but it's not because Stalker is next to him. So, who's that top left? Big side. Oh, Shipwreck. Of course, I see Polly Parrots. Shipwreck, Stalker. Uh, the upside down one with the gun, I'm going to say Duke, but I don't know. Uh, Snake Eyes, Scarlet. Oh, no, they said top is Duke. Mm. Then it actually is Destro there, I think, and then Spirit. Uh, I'm going to say Roadblock instead of Destro. Oh, yes, yes, sure. I see and the I'm Tash gonna, now. I'm going to say Hawk instead of, well. The upside down, yeah. The upside right, down one right. with the, the holstered pistol on the chest. Yep, yep. That's version That's... two Hawk right there, baby. I keep knocking this goddamn microphone so there'll be loads of bumps for Steve to edit out or not. So, but yeah, I, I mentioned we mentioned earlier that Cobra Commander thinks he's blown up all his enemies, but when they switch the channel, the Dreadnoughts, they see their own building that they're in blown up on TV. Uh, and it's like, what? What's, how has this happened? And lo and behold, I have no idea how this technology works, but somehow Tomax and Zaymot have switched the video feed of a fake building i don't know how they constructed that fake building being blown up and piped it into somewhere so cobra commander sees what he thinks is the building blowing up but they have obviously dismantled all the explosives and done some kind of super high tech that i have no idea how it works uh chief you need to stick with your diorama building man clearly tomex <laughs> and zamot constructed a miniature <laughs> ah, an accurate miniature of the Carob Tree office park. Ah, like when the miniature toy planes were coming in in one of the very early issues in the teens. Oh, night attack, and yes. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. They thought they were real planes. Yep. Torpedo with his flippers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they've done that and then they've piped that into, but it's on the TV, so, so the, the TV stations are covering this. So they've not only infiltrated, they've built that miniature, but they've they've hijacked the actual television production studio lines of, of, of uh, broadcast. But anyway, that's fine. Uh, they want out as well. And this is clearly not just a reason to bring them back into the storyline, but uh, they want out and joining this Motley crew as well. <sighs> <laughs> what What is the storyline anyway? Look, we do get some some unique insight into early missions with duke and roadblock probably yes. the high came point. out of nowhere yeah well this whole side story with um and this is the problem with the bloody cobra world order subtitling and that's the fact that like obviously larry has still got these various other threads that he wants yeah. to you know he doesn't want to put everything on ice while he tends to this, you know, the six or seven part story arc that is kind of almost being imposed on him. So yes. Connie and Claire, their relationship is bubbling under in the last issue of this story arc. Yeah. So you said it last week that you were worried that this would kind of, you know, be a weird, jarring, like, switch, you know, a bit of a jump cut yeah. to the proceedings. Well, it absolutely is. There's no, no denying it. Well, I was worried that it was going to interfere in this big Cobra World Order storyline. And it's actually the 150, 150, 100, I don't know what angles I'm using, 180 reverse. This is the story I want to hear. And Cobra <laughs> World Order is intruding on this. 
Well, yeah, well, it just goes to show that, like, Cobra World Order as a concept is a bust. Yeah. It does not fit with Larry's writing style. No, it doesn't. And like you said, this is evidence almost that this is the stuff Larry wants to be. He shoehorned it into this storyline here. But this is the stuff he wanted to be writing, maybe, and editorial force the other thing on him. But what we get here is a flashback. Claire has been uh, captured and Duke and Roadblock are part of the rescue team. But when they go in to rescue her, they're unable to successfully retrieve her. And then that's when she goes away and then doesn't get re- reunited for what, 10 or X, however many years it is. What is the team that Duke and and Roadblock, what, who are they supporting? Who's yeah, the kind of the alpha on this? Well, it's not, and, it's, not, it's not the Joe team, is it? I don't think. Really? Well, I don't know. I assumed that this was just a military, a non-military Joe team that these guys were tagging along with. Even though they've got a guy clad in black with a katana. Yeah, and when is this set? Because Duke says, who's the guy with the samurai sword? Uh, this is before, as I understand it, this is before Duke and Roadblock with Joes. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. And they are kind of the, the backup team. They're not handling the actual instra- extraction proper. They're just to, to provide covering fire for... Ah, right, okay. As always, that just explains the storyline to Chief. So we're saying that the Joes were on a mission to uh, maybe an extraction mission and Roadblock and Duke were tagging along with the Joes. Yeah, just to, uh, uh, as backup. Okay. Ah, right, so that explains that is Snake Eyes then. Because I was like, who's this black guy? Clearly not Snake Eyes because Duke would know him. Ah, but this is before. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Does Snake Eyes carry a samurai sword? Look, in the early days, yeah, the, the Snake Eyes character hadn't been fully fleshed out by the time he was in plastic. So the first Snake Eyes did not come with a sword at all. The only hints we had to his ninja training came on the file card. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's not to say that, look, in the chronology of Snake Eyes' history, yeah. his martial arts training with the Arashikage did come before his time with G.I. Joe. Yeah. And I don't want to be a complete newbie, naive chumpton, but samurai and ninjas are two very, very different things. Am I right? And... I thought he was a ninja, or is he a samurai with ninja training? I'm not sure. Look, ninjas are, are, are very atypical of what we conjure up, or so I'm told, um, when it comes to martial, the martial arts world. Like a right. ninja is an assassin that hides in, in plain sight. Yeah. You know, you very seldom see them in these kind of black... Like they are the terrorists of the, yeah. the feudal Japanese world. Yeah, and I've read plenty of Lone Wolf and Cub and Yusagi Yojimbo to know that a samurai is something completely different. For but sure, it just man. made me made me interesting when it was the, more the reference when he said, "Who's that guy with the samurai sword?" Because for some reason I just didn't picture Snake Eyes with a samurai sword. But anyway, that was that's semantics. Yeah, and it's also a typical thing for the uninitiated to say, like calling it a samurai sword. Ah, like, uh, yeah, of notice, course. Like in Kill Bill, there's a throwaway line, like, little girl likes to play with samurai swords. That's something that um, uh, Oren Ishii says. Yes. It's right. like, you know, stupid Westerners, of course you don't know what yeah. a katana is or yeah, uh, right. a wakizashi is, like yeah. the correct terminology for these various blades. Yeah, that's good. You've no, you've, um, you've no prized it there. So Duke was just unaware. He's just using a general term that you know he was, he was positing for 
Um, that type of sword. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> American colloquialism. No prize in the mail. But yeah, this stuff. This stuff is really, really good. You know, and it ends up with a savage beatdown when you know the, the last page before we see them in the Statue of Liberty. Those first couple of panels on that page of the flashback, where you know the guys are laying the butts of their guns right into him and just giving him a savage beating. Is that a wrap on Cobra World Order, Chief? I think that's a wrap on Cobra World Order. The last page of it is a Cobra parade in Springfield. Springfield is proud to be the home base of the Cobra World Order. Yeah, what is old is new again. Yeah, I've seen this before, I think. I guess Larry just wanted to revisit those awesome like video arcades <laughs> with uh, laser guns. Yeah. Uh, S-Jubs gave me some homework to try and uh, make those in diorama form. Good one, Ooh, good cheers. Good luck, Chief. Well, <laughs> at least you can get scaled um, video game cabinets. Do you know this? Oh, can you? They exist, and they actually play like Pac-Man, Galaxian. Oh, I've yeah. got one, actually. Yeah, I've got a Gallagher one. Yeah, you're right. And and it, is it scaled to G.I. Joe? Yeah, it probably is for, for three and three quarter inch, yeah. Ah, uh, but you want it six inch, man, don't you? I want, yeah, six inch is such a ball like to make dioramas for, because everything's got me so much bigger. I mean just more material i suppose i don't know anyway I, st- I did start construction today on something gij related for the six inch line which will take some time but when finished if it's good will be good and it is going to need the involvement of a gi joe artist and i'm going to hit mr shannon gallant up to help me with a specific part of this diorama I will spill the beans to S Jubs when we stop recording. Um, Ooh, off the record. <laughs> so, is there any? I'm looking at the letters page. Is there anything on the letters page we want to talk about here? I haven't read them. I'm just reading them now. I did make a note that the last letter on pay on uh, issue two two three. Yep. If you want to flick back to that. Yep. That really speaks to me. Okay, so I'm going to read it out. Correct me if this is not the right one. Mr. Harmer, I just finished reading G.I. Joe a Cobra World Order Prelude. I loved how the pit is described. It felt for a moment as if I was back in 1982 again, under the covers with a flashlight reading about the pit for the first time. It was great how Cobra's origin, standard operation and current status were shown. Awesome way to get the fans amped up for the upcoming series. My nine-year-old son is really pumped about it. Reading comics has helped his reading dramatically as it did for me years ago. I've been reading G.I. Joe since issue 2, had collected and still have most of the figures and comics from then. I want to say thank you for all the years of G.I. Joe and for helping to make my childhood magical with my son now playing with the figures and reading the comic. I get to experience it all over again. Thank you so much for still writing this book and keeping it alive for yet another generation. David Conroy from Ontario. It's the response that really kind of encapsulated. I didn't want to stop you, Chief, and I probably will leave that in. But Larry's response saying, thanks, I got a lot of fans approaching me at cons. Which are... No, I'm not going to do Larry. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, I get a lot of fans approaching me at cons who tell me that reading the Joe comics was a great help and encouragement to their reading skills. And I even have had a few who said the comic helped them overcome dyslexia. Now, I don't have dyslexia, but I can definitely attest to the fact that I was never reading highbrow literature. I was reading the work of Larry Armour. That's that's why I talk so good, man. (laughs) (laughs) He goes on to say that a large number of readers thank me for not writing down to a kiddie level. And others note how the footnote captions taught them a wide array of military and technical terms. 
that's the reason why I have this thirst for like looking beyond the pages of the, the book and looking at the little nuggets of detail and, and yep. love to like synthesize all this information to, you know, further my enjoyment of all the stuff that Larry jammed into these books. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to set out to be pedantic or instructional. My main focus was on entertainment, but I wanted that entertainment to be on my terms and live up to what I would have wanted or expected when I was a kid, Larry Armour. So that's, as I say, really speaks to me as a fan of this man's work over decades. So what better note to leave my tenure on Talking Joe than yes. with a word from the man. I love you, Larry. But Ridley Scott gave us Alien, but he also gave us Alien Covenant. <laughs> is it that bad? I've never seen it. Obviously, it is. <laughs> I, I didn't actually mind it that much, but people okay. shit all over it for all some right. reason. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's the highs when they were high. Okay. Better, better example, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> George Lucas gave us the playground that fired our imaginations throughout our youth. But then, <laughs> he also made Darth Vader complain about how much he dislikes sand. <laughs> yeah, true, true, that, true that. I don't know. It seems it seems a shame for me to ask you to yo-jo this storyline, but that's tough shit. I'm going to ask you to yo-jo it. Cobra World Order. Uh, look, if the, if the covers did not make me think I was in for a far more exciting and spellbinding, pulse-pounding G.I. Joe adventure, I would probably have graded it slightly more favorably. But because of the, the monumental disappointment of it, that, like, it was a Cobra scheme that was set up to fail, okay? The bulk of Cobra Commander's plan with the Freds that we've been building up to for dozens of issues for for perhaps the the bulk of gi joe a real american hero comic books since the introduction of the crimson god okay and this is the culmination of it it's just a a token or a a pop-up target to curry favor for their new darling wendy ling torres like that's just so contrived man it's like it's like all the good is eroded and undone. And it kind of lessens my appreciation of G.I. Joe just a little bit by doing yep. that. So, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, take the booby prize. I think I'm going to okay. grade it a 0 out of 10. Whoa! Boom! Basement dweller. Cellar <laughs> dweller. <laughs> oh, uh, I think Chief's coming in with a 6 out of 10. Uh, let's move on. Uh, I'm hoping that we got some toys to talk about in the last episode because it's time for Steve Talks Toys. Steve talks about toys, ho, ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Well, Chief, yeah, man, I kind of wanted to get our teeth into it uh, with Bergie, but we just had such a great general chat about the issues that, uh, you know, it, it kind of, at, by all rights, ate into the, the toy talk time. But we had a fantastic nugget in this run of issues. All credit goes to Shannon for sandwiching it in there. He didn't have to, but he did. 
Can you remember? I'm going to narrow it down. It's a vehicle. Okay. Can you remember a, a, a little Easter egg that just, I don't know, got me happy, even though it was 1 a.m.? On a work night. And we probably spoke about it and I've forgotten already. Uh, is It's not a tank, is it? Um, it's a half track. It's a half track. It's a half. Do I know any half track? Is it? Is it the... What's it tiger called? Tiger Cat. Oh, the Tiger Cat. Oh, right. Yeah. Chief. But I suppose the conversation is really about the broader concept of repaints. And the okay. Tiger Force as one of them. Joke is back! We'll stop Cobra with Tiger Force, the roughest, toughest jump force ever! Get those captured Cobra vehicles repainted and rearmed! They're part of Tiger Force now! Tiger Force, showing the colors yellow and black! Hungry to fight and ready to attack! No fighting, G.I. Joe! Tiger Shark is ready! So is the Tiger Cat! Tiger Force, attack! No fighting, G.I. Joe! Tiger Force! Tiger Force. Vehicles and figures sold separately. What is your feeling towards Tiger Force? Coming out of the gate in 1988 in the United States, the original lineup of vehicles was the Tiger Fly, the Dragonfly, the Tiger Rat, the Rattler, the Tiger Shark, the Water Moccasin, the Tiger Paw, the Ferret, and the Tiger Cat, the Snowcat. The premise of Tiger Force was... Tiger Force uses captured Cobra vehicles and re-outfitted G.I. Joe weapons to battle the forces of evil. Each vehicle is specifically modified and camouflaged. <laughs> for where? For perilous assaults behind enemy lines. The original team of figures way back then was Bazooka, Duke, Dusty, Flint, Frostbite, Lifeline, Recondo, uh, who was a pilot for the Dragonfly or Tigerfly, Roadblock, Sky Striker, who flew the Tiger Rat, new character, and Tripwire, who you own. Yeah. Then the Euro exclusives added to that with Outback, Blizzard, yep. uh, Psych Out, Tunnel Rat, Sneak Peek, and Hit and Run. Okay, so I was definitely not aware of some of those. Definitely wasn't aware that Bazooka was a Tiger Force. Yeah, man, they just took away his um, uh, football jersey's red colouring and gave it a white, okay. <laughs> which is even more daft in terms of camouflage, right? Yeah, so um, I think when they came out, I was like, oh, this is cool. These are really cool. Nice to see just characters in different... I wasn't overly bothered that it was uh, Tiger Force, but it, for me, it was just nice to see characters in the same mould, but just with different paint jobs. And the fact that they were part of a designated unit. So they all kind of had the similar paint schemes to make them look like a, a team almost, which was one of the main things I liked because ahead of that, I'm trying to think, there probably weren't any G.I. Joes that were part of a sub-team that had the similar paint jobs, were there? The main f- motivating factor with those early sort of repaint uh, sub-teams was to unify them. I mean... The other notable example, and one that sadly kind of falls flat with anyone outside of the U.S., because it was, I think, a U.S. Toys R Us exclusive, was the Night Force. Now, these guys, they just recast all their color palettes in a kind of a darker selection of colors, typically. Like, for instance, Charbroil goes from a kind of a reddish brown to a blue, like a deep blue. One of 
Diagnostic 80's favorite figures uh, and one that he cosplayed oh my god incredible he cosplayed Lightfoot but in his Night Force colors which are infinitely better than walking around in (laughs) bright yellow bright yeah exactly canary yellow yeah Uh, um, yeah, kind of reset it into a burgundy yeah very cool I mean I don't know the premise is is paper thin um (laughs) Ah, yeah, exactly. How are you better camouflaged? You're wearing tiger stripe. Yeah, yeah. As as a for, as a means to fight evil. Well, why did we need to change color schemes to fight evil? Uh, you know, I suppose yeah, to to obtain that camouflage. They were seeing us too easily. So what we need to do <laughs> is uh, repaint ourselves so the the bad guys, the evil, cannot see us. You can't deny that it gave the vehicles, particularly, a more vibrant skin, and. To a child, that can be a big selling point. Like, if you are not too hung up on realism, and you're like, wow, these vehicles are so wild. They are just... I mean, they, they kind of unify them, in a, in a sense. And also give them this kind of aggressive slant with, the like, the teeth. Like, that's quite a, a cool affectation that Tiger Force added to the vehicles. It gave them these expressions. You know, all of them had eyes and teeth. Very, very distinctive stuff. And, I mean, we can't overlook the fact that it gave kids a second opportunity to buy these classics uh, that they might have missed the first time around. I know I definitely missed them the first time around. Like, I was far too young to ever get a classic Snowcat or Water Moccasin. But, boy, did I jump at the opportunity to get them in their Tiger Force stylings because they seemed like they came from a bygone era. You know, seeing these vehicles sold alongside things like the Desert Fox... Or the uh, RPV or Demon, like it seemed like, and and very rightly so, it seemed like they came from two completely different schools of vehicle design, right? Because they did. These earlier vehicles, recast as Tiger Force, were being sold alongside their much later designed vehicles, and they were at complete odds with them. Yeah. Like take yeah. take the Tiger Cap for example. Thing had a frosted windscreen with a windscreen wiper okay that little detail just set it worlds apart from vehicles that didn't even have glass i'm looking at the demon tank it's just got like open view slats right guys the operators are flapping in the breeze in a tank (laughs) (laughs) good luck And the dragonfly, the tiger fly. Oh my god, I salivated about that thing. I never got one, but the catalog image was just. I was like, this is this is a model. This is a scale model. This is a real looking helicopter. And you know, you look at that, and then you look at the Skystorm X-wing copter sold the same year, and you're like, what? Yeah. What's going on? I think I think I I mentioned that it seemed like quite a cool idea when I was a kid. And I do like the idea now, but I do also remember, you know, I had the water moccasin, I had the snowcat, and I do remember when I did see these, I did feel like it was just a a cheap rip-off, and I didn't potentially like them at the time, um, the vehicles. I was like, why do I... The snowcat should be in white. You've now painted this with garish yellow colours. Not for me, sir. I'm going to combat you on that point, and, and the... Simply because the snowcat can work reset as a desert vehicle. 
I like the idea of a half track. I mean, half tracks can go anywhere. Yeah. No, I like it. I, I, I get it now, but I think, you know, when I, I had the snowcat and I was seeing these other things, I was just like, that's not the real one. The real one is the white snow-based one. That's not the re- a real one. I don't know, just the kid mentality. Yeah, I guess I just had no awareness of the real one. Like, that's that's perhaps where our point of views differ. Yeah, and that's but now where... it's like, yeah, wicked. I want that desert half-track now, yeah. Well, it's also a weird one in that the snowcat has that really low clearance in front because it's, it's effectively a snowplow. Yeah. Like, it's got that front piece that hangs very low that would interfere with the off-road capabilities of a desert snowcat or tiger cat and it's got the two damn ski pedos on either side yeah man what the hell function do those have in the snow (laughs) i mean in the sand (laughs) yeah you know what i mean yeah no yep good good is there any any lines within tiger force that you would still any figures or vehicles that you would still you know, need to need that that would complete a collection for you. Not from completing everything in that line, but just satisfy you to get those last few pieces. Or I think I've got all the Tiger Force I've ever wanted. The crowning glory of my Tiger Force collection was getting Tiger Force Outback. Right. To my mind, and I know I'm an outlier on this, but he is the definitive version of Outback because. I don't want another red-bearded survivalist. Yeah. That's doubling up with Snowjob. I'm like, Snowjob has Monopoly on the red beard. I want my survivalist specialist Outback to have the white hair. Yeah. Because he's he's an old dude, man. Like, he's seen some years. Yeah. And that's why he's exactly the right guy to give the masterclass in survival you know because he's this man of the wilds he's been living out of doors a lot more than he has on base his experience is what is going to guide the gi joe team through because like effectively a combat team like the joes you're looking at guys who are in their mid-20s to late-20s max like if you're 35 and you're on the team you're an old timer. Yeah. <laughs> these guys these guys are Olympic level athletes, all of them. They are the greatest marksmen the world has ever seen. Yeah. They have specialist training in technical aspects of conducting missions. They each offer something unique to the strike force. But what they don't have and what Outback has in spades, particularly the Tiger Force version, is experience. Yep. And it shows. Yeah. Invaluable. And that's why my outback has got to have that white hair, man. There you go. He's old, <laughs> he proper is. old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White uh, hair, white beard, Father Christmas style, yeah. and a kitty shirt to wrap it all and up. And so, with the with the repaints, um, we saw in one of the like uh, uh, pamphlets that I had on on the last episode of season one of uh, Chief's Toy Box. I had that 1991, I think, where it had some silver repainted vehicles. Which is what was that? What what force was that? Ah, Sky Patrol. And those Sky figures Patrol. didn't have a, a theme or color color palette to tie them together. So right. that's probably what uh, what informed that, that comment, hey, Chief? Were there other or was it a missed opportunity to repaint other legacy vehicles and form them into a team? Do you think that could have happened? Why didn't it happen? You know, the big head scratches will always be things like the Tomahawk 
the Mobat. Oh no, the Mobat actually did the see Mauler. a repaint. The Mauler. Yeah, there's some there's some some classic, classic big seller vehicles. The Sky Striker. Okay, got repaint in Night Force, but what was the question, Chief? <laughs> um, you, yeah, you're no, saying there like, should have been more um more repaints over the no, years. I'm just wondering I'm just wondering if Tiger Force did seem so successful, why didn't they do it again with another you know codename force uh, and, and i think uh, i think sub teams typically were a cost cutting move from hasbro like if you look at the eco warriors for example their vehicles yeah. were essentially repaints or recolors oh uh, right it was okay. a his tank that had a water squirter popped on top it was an ore striker that had another water stri- uh, squirter popped on top even their base which was like a cobra toxo lab it says pool and his toxo vipers could hang out at that saw reuse i i think the very next year as a street fighter place it oh wow yeah man fascinating oh hasbro ringing out the dollars man yeah yeah um that was good that was good uh good chat hopefully we might be able to see some tiger force figures when we delve into other people's toy boxes coming up soon on youtube hosted by gi joeberg please check that out if there's a tiger force aunt back in there i'll be one of the leading bidders if ben decides to sell you got one oh but he's not he's not with you but mate the tragedy of my story is the weekend i got him i drove up to my friend's place uh about an hour and a half up the coast he's got some young kids I don't like where this is going. Yeah, they found my Tiger Force art back, man. In my room. And I didn't make it easy for them, but uh, yeah, while Elle and I were out catching up and having a few bevies, <laughs> yeah, colloquialism, uh, yeah, they found him and yeah. It's, he's it's no a, longer with us. It's a tragic story. No, he, he's, <laughs> he's got no crotch anymore. And um, okay. his foot... They must have dropped him and his foot cracked and flew to the opposite end of the room. Oh, I managed to find it and re-glue it, but, you know, that hairline crack will always haunt me. Every time I pick up my art back and see that crack, I'm like, oh. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh, really, but um, another Joe <laughs> Fallen. So we'll be on the lookout for a Tiger Force uh, outback. But right now, we do need to confuse some people because it's time for Commonwealth Colloquialisms, a.k.a. Over Egg in the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over-egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms. We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms. Chief in Aussie, if I was to call you a Gumby, <laughs> would it be a good thing or a bad thing? Ah, uh, you Gumby. Uh, I'm saying bad thing. <laughs> yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah. Or a dummy. Okay. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Very good. Um, my one is, and again, I've had a real bad run here of picking stuff, which is just world-known phrases rather than Commonwealth colloquialisms. So I'll try another one. Um, if I was chock-a-block... <sighs> very full, very um, uh, over-committed. Your, your schedule yeah, is... Yeah, yeah, very busy, very busy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. sorry, Chief. It doesn't help that I'm just so well-traveled, you know. 
Yes. <laughs> no, but maybe that is still a Commonwealth colloquialism. Yeah. We'll see yeah. how many. Wouldn't be we'll surprised. see how many US. No, that's fine. That's fine. We'll see how many of our US friends knew that one. But uh, what's your last ever Commonwealth colloquialism, sir? Yeah. Well, this is one that has meaning on your side of the pond. But in South Africa, if I was to refer to a Barney. Okay. Mm. So in yes, in the UK, if you were having a Barney, you'd be having a row or a you know a shouting match with someone. But in SA, if you had, do you have a Barney? Oh uh, shit, would Chief! You... Then you've got it, man. You've got it. Absolutely, oh. it's a fight. And oh, right. what really rings in my memory is the fact that it was something that kids would chant on the playground two guys were going at it if you know if, right. if, if someone was you know there was a shoving match that was about to become a punching match like everyone would ugly. would flock and shout Bonnie 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 <laughs> incredible I think in the UK they would just shout fight 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 yeah yeah <laughs> well, I don't know arose by any other name or or bundle they'd shout bundle 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 like bundle, yeah. bundle, yeah, B U N D L E, which I think meant um, uh, if two people go at it, then everyone just jumps on, everyone piles on, <laughs> and just, everyone bundles on to form a massive pyramid of bodies, and the person at the bottom lives or dies, who knows, until we peel them off. Yo, yeah. Listen, uh, let's let's close. I was out trying with to this. tie um, a Betty, and then this rock spider came up to me, and then we had a Barney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna miss them. I'm gonna miss them. Yeah, um, listen, we asked you a question. Us being the people on Talking Joe, and you being the listeners, sent us some responses, but we're gonna ignore them and we're gonna answer them ourselves. <laughs> were there any notable mentions? Come on, this no. So this was the question we asked uh, many moons ago because I got my timings and dates all wrong, and it was what vehicles would you like to see in the world of GI Joe? I am actually going to read out all the vehicles that were mentioned, but uh, discussion-wise, we're just going to talk about mine and S-Jub, so <laughs> apologies on that, but hopefully we will have read out your suggestion. And uh, unfortunately, I think that's partly because I don't know what half of these were. So the M60A2 Starship, the Rockwell XVF12, the SU-47, the Jump two people said jump jets uh the p1216 the chinook the sikorsky ch54 something for the october guard the stealth bomber a hind helicopter a us rg33 a vigan a lynx uh kf i think that is 41 can't read my writing a retrieval tank a bmp1 a nuclear sub and then various cars and bikes and a truck a fire truck for barbecue but um yeah, apologies we can't delve into that because again i don't have the time to do research on what all those vehicles are but thank you very much for your responses but for us jobs was there any particular vehicle real world vehicle or something you wanted to see in the toy line that just never got released for the longest time i didn't think that the tomahawk existed as a real thing because oh wow this is pre-internet man and i'd never seen the toy and the Tomahawk always kind of occupied page time in equal measure to that Cobra helicopter. Right. You know, Michael Golden fleshed it out nicely. Rod Wiggum uh, got a good handle on it. And yeah. its design was so steeped in appearances that I honestly thought that if the Tomahawk really existed, surely that existed as well. Surely. Yeah. You kind of mentioned them in the same breath. G.I. Joe yep. had a transport helicopter. Cobra had a transport helicopter. 
Flash forward to the advent of the internet and I realize, yes, the tomahawk is a real thing, but nope, the aspid, as it's become known, but I don't like that name, doesn't exist. I was like, what? Massive hole, that. Yeah. That and a Cobra submarine. Is there a reason why we never got, you know, a... I suppose we did get a Cobra heli, a single-man Cobra helicopter, and we did get the, the Night Raven, I suppose, but didn't... Joe seemed to have a lot more flying vehicles than Cobra, and we never got the transport, the the equivalent, like you said, to the, to the Tomahawk as a Cobra vehicle. In fact, it got um, so fleshed out in the comic books, it even had, like sling load capabilities like it looked like it was built to accurately marry up with the the small uh paralyzer tanks right yes do, yeah do, like in um De- the destro must die storyline those cobra transport helicopters are directly dropping those um paralyzer tanks and it's like this thing is screaming out to be a viable toy design but yeah. it only ever existed within the pages of the comic book crazy maybe it was a cost thing maybe they thought this is gonna be a big set and like cobra vehicles like they they just aren't as numerous cobra cobra vehicles and play sets as gi joe so we were able to squeeze out the tomahawk we wouldn't get as lucky with the cobra set but massive hole that's massive yeah i'd like to have seen some just like regular, not civilian vehicles, but kind of like, you know, I'm sure they could sell a three-pack of rock and roll clutch and the station wagon mm-hmm. and then a, a, a similar Dreadnoughts pack with Dreadnought bicycle, bikes because they never had actually Dreadnought bikes, did they? They had the trike, but did they ever? I mean, oh, again, maybe I'm being a bit naive, but was there ever any Dreadnoughts motorbikes produced? Uh, yeah, you said it. The trike was the closest we got at kind of mass retail. There was a recolor of the Ram, which is a Sears exclusive. Okay. Yeah. Sold in a two pack with a recolor of the Stinger four wheel drive. But yeah, man, you're right. It's weird. Weird that the Dreadnoughts were such a popular subset, but they never had distinctive bikes. Yeah, yeah. Any I mean, anything else spring to mind that that you would really like to as a vehicle that we never got? Was it Mate Mylar who mentioned uh, a submarine? He said a nuclear sub. Amazing. Yeah, look, if you're going to build a USS flag and these mobile battle stations and all this kind of stuff, come on, I'm sure you could have, they could have done a, a, a good-sized sub. That would have been amazing. Hells to the air. But do you cheat the underside of it? Do you make it sort of flat so you can slide it across the carpet? Or do you, you actually do, yeah. make it a submarine, submarine? Like, ugh, the mind boggles. I think you have an option. You have a sliding uh, panel kind of a curved sliding panel which can go on if you want to take it in your bath or you slide that off if you want to put it on the carpet oh i think we're totally mis uh, misinterpreting our, our expectations of the scale of the damn thing <laughs> when you said uss flag i'm like hells to the air oh, right. as big as that. <laughs> this ain't fitting in the bath <laughs> and also if you're a fan of the cartoon series and hell even if you're a fan of just gi joe the movie i mean how badass was that cobra airship in that yep. opening sequence. It's kind of begging to yeah, be made, awesome. man. A giant awesome. cobra, like this terrifying monolithic thing. Just, yeah. you don't know, how, how the hell does it even fly? Joe's early on had the shark, do you know what I mean? Um, and then what what did, subsequent to that, what underwater vehicles did we get? I guess the bug can go underwater, mm-hmm. but what else is there? 
Look, I, as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to talk naval shortcomings, like even before you get into a discussion of submersibles, you got to address the fact that, like, does G.I. Joe have a boat? Okay, flag notwithstanding, yes. there was something produced in the 90s called the Shark 9000, okay. which is like a Coast Guard vessel. Cool. Right. But I mean, like, you know, G.I. Joe didn't ever have a substantial naval vehicle as I say, barring the flag, but like even something that would, you know, effectively go toe to toe with the moray. You could yeah. say the whale, but like the yeah. whale's a hovercraft. Yeah, you it's know, not a fast attack vehicle, is it? It's it's just like there's 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 just no speedboat. There's no boat for GI Joe. So the whale yeah. had to pull duties that like a hovercraft is ill suited for. Like a hovercraft yeah. is not a deep sea vessel. And that's why you had things like the GI Joe Jane. You know, that was a yeah. a vehicle that filled the void of, like, Joe needing to be out at sea on Is a that vessel. the one that goes hydroplaning uh, across the pier <laughs> yeah. in, like, uh, the 30s? Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, man. The Jane had a few appearances and it was ultimately sunk by a pair of Rattlers in, I think, uh, issue 36. Oh, yeah, you're uh, right, with uh, Deep Six on the guns. Yeah, well, Deep he couldn't, Six... He couldn't elevate the barrel and didn't roadblock after, uh, you know push the barrel up or something uh we're thinking of different uh, issues uh okay. the jane i think met its end when um there was a joint sort of gi joe strike like uh torpedo and snow job were in a whale and they were assaulting a cobra atoll a little oh yeah yeah and they, they kept turning the guns around yes very good chief and, and, and yeah there was a rattler uh, with the white the white pilots the white yes, suited pilot yes and they had like um pontoons so, I mean, they, yeah. they looked like they were, like, naval rattlers, like they could land on, yeah, on they water. Yeah, brilliant. I think, I think that was the issue. Oh, uh, yes. Here we sit and reminisce about the best oh, hits. Oh, no, someone had, someone had to, was it Tripwire? Someone had to come and uh, put the fuses together on the guns or something. Yeah, Doc and Tripwire, like the, the, the chain guns yeah. have been washed out. Anyways, Chief, I, I knew when I signed on to Talking Joe that I'd missed the sweet spot. Uh, but then again, <laughs> like, that's why... Those episodes will live on as episodes that I got to enjoy as a fan of the show. And I look forward Good. to being that again. Well, so, we've come full circle, man. We've come full circle. Um, thanks to everyone who contributed to this episode from writing in. Uh, biggest thanks of all to S-Jubs for uh, helping to burden the load or shoulder the load for the last 30 episodes or 30 up 28 here and two specials. I'm hoping the high points of being on the show outweigh these most recent um, low points of the comic. We will be collaborating again. Chief, anytime I'm podcasting with you, brother, it's the highest of highs. <laughs> the problem comes when I'm sitting alone and dreading having to read the damn comics. Yeah. I want to read books that I want to read. And that No one should have to read something they don't want to read. So That's the reason I got to bow out, man. Let yeah. me hand the reins over to someone who does want to read these books. Yeah, yeah. That's the simple choice. And if we can find anyone who does want to read those books, let us know. <laughs> but no, I, I kid. I semi-kid. But um, listen, uh, thanks again to S-Jubs. Uh, you'll, you'll catch us on the, on the flip side on the YouTube channels doing the toy box stuff. So uh, Talking Joe will live on in that incarnation. And um, yeah, uh, stay tuned next week when uh, Mark jumps into the hot seat. Does he know what he's got himself in for? Uh, only time will tell. Uh, Chief will take over editing the show, so expect the quality to drop a little bit. But um, anything else you want to say to close off, S-Jubs, or are you happy to uh, draw that curtain? 
I think there's only one thing left to say, Chief. You got it. Uh, I forgot how I finished it off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we're at the end. No, this, after I said, I got it, I got it, I got it. Uh, with all that said and done... We'll catch you down the road. Because we've been talking Joe. And we're all out of S-jobs. I mean Joe. We're all... <laughs> <laughs> See you later, listeners. Bye-bye. <laughs>